glad you guys are here with us today. I want to say a special hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys real quick. We love you. Grateful for you. Thanks for being with us today. Let's say our mission statement together. Can we do that? What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. Thanks for joining us today. Again, thanks for being a part of this new series we're doing called Escape Artists. Last week on stage, I actually escaped a, a regulation straight jacket, and I have the sore back to prove it. And uh, well, I'm glad to be here today. I'm not going to be doing any tricks like that today. Sorry. Uh, that's all I've got. I'm a one-horse show. But I will say this, that I believe that God wants you to escape the things that are holding you back. And today's message is all about that. In fact, pull out your notes if you will. I want to talk today about a message called Pain Propels You Forward. The pain that you're dealing with in your life is not meant to stop you. It's meant to propel you forward. Maybe you came in with some serious problems or difficulties today. Maybe you're facing a big betrayal or struggle today. God has a word for you today that it's not meant to hold you back. It's meant to propel you forward. Pull out your notes if you will. We're looking at Acts chapter uh, 22 today. Acts chapter 22 and 23. A story about Paul when he deals with a big mess that was out of his control. And maybe you're facing something similar to that today. And so I'm glad you guys are here today. Thanks for joining us for this series. Thanks for being a part of our services. We're going to jump right into scripture in Acts chapter 22. I don't want to waste any time. I've got a lot of uh, ground to cover today. Acts chapter 22, verse 25 to 29. Here's what's going on. The apostle Paul is preaching like normal. He goes from town to town preaching, and like normal, he also hacks a lot of people off. Paul makes me feel pretty good about my preaching because I've never had someone try to kill me after the sermon, you know what I mean? So, so I feel pretty good. At least I haven't done that yet, you know. But, but he would preach, and he would get people all riled up. He would obviously get a lot of people saved, but also a lot of people get very angry at him because what he was preaching went against what they believed. And that really hacked many of them off. And so he would end up stirring up crowds of people. And in this case, the crowd was so mad they decided to go to the authorities to get him arrested to see if they could get him beaten and even killed because of what he was teaching. Let's pick up in the scripture now. It says in verse 25, when they tied Paul down to lash him, wow, this is not going well, right? When they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officer standing there, is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? When the officer heard this, he went to the, commanding, to the commander and asked, what are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. So the commander went over and asked Paul, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am, Paul replied. I am too, the commander muttered, and it cost me plenty. But I am a citizen by birth. The, soldier who, uh, the soldiers who were about to interrogate Paul quickly withdrew when they heard he was a Roman citizen, and the commander was frightened because he had ordered him bound and whipped. So basically, here's how this works. Rome controlled about half of the earth at this point. That's how powerful Rome was. Paul happened to be a Roman citizen. So that carried a lot of weight with it. So if you were anywhere outside of Rome, you could say, I'm a Roman citizen, I appeal to Rome, and they would have to, by law, send you back to Rome. So he appealed and said, hey, whoa, whoa, you can't, be, you can't just strike me. You can't just tie me up, bound me. You can't, you can't do this. I'm a Roman citizen. They had no idea he was. Immediately the guy in charge says, whoa, 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 stop what you're doing. You're what? You're a Roman citizen? And he says, well, that cost me a lot of money to become one. And he says, well, I'm that way by birth. See, he was born into the right country, basically. He had a lot of authority because of that. And so they couldn't just do whatever they wanted to him. And so the moment that they struck him, that immediately shifted the power to him. He was like, that was not right. That breaks the law. You know that. And so what, what happened at this point is like, it's like Paul lawyered up. He basically said, I'm going to have my attorney call you. Like, whoa, 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 what do we do, right? 
all of a sudden the power shifted, right? The power was with United Airlines <laughs> until you pulled what you pulled, and now the guy that's really in charge is the guy that, that took it on the chin, right? And so all of a sudden now, hey, 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 whoa, whoa, you can't do that. Like, I understand you got a lot of power, but you can't pull that on me, right? And so all of a sudden the power shifted. You see, I believe that God will allow you, listen, 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 to take a hit you don't deserve, not because you're supposed to take the hit, but because God's shifting the power in your hands. Isn't it good to know that? So when you take a hit that you don't deserve, God is shifting the power into your hands to move forward in God's plan. Does that change how you look at that hit now? All of a sudden you realize God was not trying to get you hit. God was trying to shift the power, the control into your hands so you can do what he has called you to do. What does this mean for you and me? See, Paul was born a Roman citizen. God knew that he was going to need that small little fact in his life to help him get where God wanted him to go. What does that mean for you and me today? Number one, it means that you already have all you need to escape. You already have it in you. God birthed you with certain things, certain attributes, certain qualities. You already have everything you need in you to escape. You are a child of God. That alone grants you certain rights and privileges to help you overcome whatever you are facing. I've got some good news for you. Some of you have been, have been, have, have been living in a false belief that says, well, if I only had this, then I could do that. If I only had the money, if I only knew the right people, if I had the right know-how, if I just knew what I was doing. But the truth is, is you already have everything you need to succeed at what God has called you to do. Did God call you, then he's already equipped you. Let me say that again. Did God call you, then he's already equipped you to do what he called you to do. Isn't that good news today? You have everything you need. You already have all that you need in you. I know you don't feel like it, but you do. You have the power of God. You have access to his truth, to his wisdom, to everything you need to succeed. So whatever you feel like you're stuck in, the only thing that's really stuck is your mindset. You are completely free to do what God has called you to do, to walk away from that addiction, to walk away from that struggle, to get through that difficulty. God has already equipped you for everything you need to face today. You already have the power of God in you to help you through whatever you're facing. Someone get excited today because you have everything you need. You already have it all. Whatever you need, God says, I am that. I already have given it to you. You can do what God is leading you to do. Now, you know what? I, I got to stop this message real quick. We're going to change things up. In fact, I want to just warn the ushers right now and all of our different churches right now that we're about to have offering in the middle of the sermon. You're like, whoa, 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 what? Well, yeah, we're changing things up again. Because just yesterday as I was preparing for the message, going over stuff, and I mean, my message is prepared. I was going over it. Don't think like, wow, he's really late to the game there. No, 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 no. I'd start a little earlier than that. But I was going over everything, getting ready, and I just sensed in my spirit that church has become just a little routine, a little routine for all of us. So we're going to change it up a little bit. In fact, you know what? I feel like it's a little routine right now. You're probably sitting where you normally sit. So gather your stuff up and hop up, and I want you to move to another part of the auditorium. Come on, gather your stuff right now. This is just a little too routine. We need to change things up. So just get your stuff up real quick, just wherever you are, whatever campus you're at. Hop up, find another seat right now. You can just move one seat over. You can move an entire section over. That's fine with me. Just move real quick. We're just going to change things up just a little bit. No, that's not fair. You can't just get up, turn around, and sit back down. No, no, that's not moving. I need you actually moving. Just go find another seat. There you go. See, this is an opportunity to improve your seating, actually. Isn't this great? I wish they did this like at football games. I would always go a little closer, you know. Someone else pay for that seat. I can take that seat now. This is great. All right. 
Come on. I didn't say talk. I said move. Come on. Now have a seat. Have a seat. All campuses, there should be a little bit of the chaos going on. That's okay. Find yourself a new seat. Some of you are really bothered. See, some of you are eyeballing the person who sat in your seat. You're like, they're in my seat. But after church, go back over to your seat, and you'll notice there's no name plate on your seat. Other people can sit there too. See, some of you are bothered right now. You're like, I don't normally look at the screen from this angle. I normally look that way, now I'm looking that way. This bothers me, right? We get so caught up in the routine. Could it be that we got a little too comfortable in God's house and we forgot the privileges to be in the presence of the Lord? We get a little comfortable in our routine, don't we? I think offerings even become a little routine. Let's just be honest. You know, offering is something we just, oh, yeah, it's what we do. It's the end of service, this and that, right? And either it's routine to skip it or it's routine to give the same amount you always give or to give the same way you give. But when did sacrifice mean it becomes routine? It should be something that is a unique privilege, a unique opportunity. So it is offering here at Church Unlimited right now. It's an opportunity for us to give to God. The scripture says this. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful means hilarious. <laughs> here you go. That's kind of giving God wants. He wants us to give hilariously to him. In fact, maybe you've been giving under compulsion. Maybe you've been, been begrudgingly giving to God. Men, that's the equivalent of you going home with some flowers for your wife and throwing them at her and going, here you go, I'm supposed to do this. She will say to you, please don't do it at all if your heart's not in it. I don't want, it's not even a gift, it's an offense to me if you give something to me that obviously you don't really want to give me. Just don't even give. So maybe today, if you've been begrudgingly giving to God, put your wallet up, don't give them at all. Just don't give then. Just, just put your wallet up. No, no, no. God is, God's more offended by your gift at that point if you're doing it out of duty rather than out of love. So just put your wallet up. And maybe by next week, you'll have the conviction of God on you to say, I hate that I didn't give. I want to get the church to give this next week. Changes things, doesn't it? Or maybe you always give by check. Why don't you give by, by cash? And maybe you always give by cash. Why don't you go, go give by text to give? Maybe you, maybe you never tried that. Why don't you try that? Just, just change it up. Just do something different. You can text to give right now to 45777. And there's no advantage to us. I mean, it's just the same amount. Whatever you give, you give. But, but it's just a different way of giving. Just change it up a little bit. You're in a new seat. We're doing offering in a, in a new time and doing it in, in a new way. Maybe you want to change the amount. Maybe, you know, normally I give this much, I'm going to give that much instead. Just change it up. Let's just break the routine because I really believe that in the same way that relationships become monotonous, when, when the truth is, is we need to keep them fresh and alive, right? I'm not going to go into details of what that looks like, but I will just tell you <laughs> that we need to keep that fresh and alive. And so have we become stale even in what we give to God? Have we become stale in how we worship God? God wants us to shake it up a little bit in the house of God. So let's give today out of a heart of gratitude because we just love God, because it's a privilege to do that. It's a privilege to make a difference. Maybe you normally don't give at all. I don't have a lot to give. Why don't you text $1 then? So that's a little ridiculous. No, what's more ridiculous than that is giving nothing. So why don't you just give something? Just say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to do something. And just simply text to give. And there's a specific code for every campus for the Broadcast campus is just, you know, the amount plus the word unlimited. That's fine. But let's just give right now. Let's pray and ask God to bless this offering. 
Let's shake it up in God's house. I believe that this is supposed to be a different service, a different message, because God has something fresh for you, so let's not approach God routine. Does that make sense? Let's, let's honor God today. Lord, we love you, God. It's an honor to give to you. Lord, thank you for shaking us up, bringing change to us. Lord, helping us not become just routine. God, we don't want to become comfortable in your house. We want you to shake us up, God. We give to you today out of honor, out of glory. Lord, we want to increase that amount, change that amount, do it differently today. We just want to honor you and glorify you during this offering. Lord, thank you, God, that even if we are even if we are giving more or maybe giving for the first time or not giving at all, Lord, we thank you, God, that we're giving to you however we choose to do it, Lord. Lord, thank you, God, that we know when we give, we're, we're making an impact, not only here but around the world. We pray your blessings over this offering. We thank you, God, for the privilege, the honor to give to you today. May you be blessed by this offering. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you. Let's give our ushers a hand right now at all of our campuses. Thanks for serving us today. We appreciate that. Hey, during the offering time, as the offering is collected too, I just want to mention a couple of things. You know, uh, this Wednesday we do have an opportunity to come to First Wednesday, but also we have a special guest speaker, John Bevere, the author, world-renowned speaker, travels all over the world. He will be here with us at First Wednesday at Broadcast Campus. Come on over. We'd love to have you. It's going to be a great, great night, Wednesday night, 630. Of course, we have communion, baptism as well. You're not going to want to miss this First Wednesday. But also, I just, I just want to mention next week, don't, don't miss next week. This, the scripture we're going over today is not concluded until next week. Basically, when I wrote this message, I was so inspired, so fired up, that there was so much content that this message is so good, it's going to take two weeks, okay? And so I'm going to conclude the message next week. Don't miss it. Next week's message is called, When the World is Against You. And so it seems like there was this giant conspiracy against Paul. Well, the reason why it felt like he had a big conspiracy against him is because he did. And so maybe you feel like there's a big conspiracy against you right now, someone or something trying to hold you back. Join us next week as we conclude this message. Don't miss it. And frankly, I just want to tell you, God really put this in my spirit to tell every one of you this today, to be here all summer long. I believe this is a summer that changes everything for you. I'm convinced that the summer that everything's going to change for you. Maybe you started off the summer single, and by the end of the summer, you won't be single anymore. Someone got to get excited about that. Maybe you started off empty, and you're going to end up full. Maybe God has you started off with a little depressed, but you're going to end up full of the Spirit of God and with a fresh and unique walk with Him. I don't know what it is, but you're looking for it, but I believe God is going to deliver it this summer. Don't miss church. The summer that changes everything. Don't miss church. God has some good things going on for you. Let's continue in the scripture today. Thank you for giving today. Let's, let's continue. It says in Acts chapter 23, verse 1, gazing intently at the high council, Paul began. So now Paul, after he had uh, basically been arrested, interrogated, he now is before the high council. This is the high religious council, by the way. And this is what he says. Gazing intently at the high council, Paul began. Brothers, I have always lived before God with a clear conscience. Wow, that's saying a lot right there. Just to keep your heart right with the Lord. He says, instantly Ananias, the high priest, commanded those close to Paul to slap him on the mouth. But Paul said to him, God will slap you, you corrupt hypocrite. Wow, this gets intense fast, doesn't it? So now he takes a slap. And now he, he yells out at the guy who, who, says, who said to slap him. What kind of judge are you to break the law yourself by ordering me struck like that? Those standing near Paul said to him, do you dare insult God's high priest? Then Paul shifts gears. He says, oh, I'm sorry, brothers. I didn't realize he was a high priest. Now, what he's saying is he really meant that because he didn't realize he was a high priest. But what he's also saying was, I didn't realize you were the high priest because of the way you were acting. Wow. It's kind of a little insult there, a little, little jab, right? So, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were the high priest because you certainly weren't acting like one, right? I had no idea, right? 
And so he's like, I, I didn't see that coming, right? Do, do we act like, like we really are? Or are we honoring God with, with the role that God has given us? Do we even appear like a Christian? If we said to people at work, hey, do you know I'm a Christian? I go to church, they'd be like, what? Really? I couldn't tell. Or can you tell the role that, that we have in our lives? And so Ananias was not acting like a high priest. I'm sorry, brothers, I didn't realize he was a high priest. Paul replied, for the scriptures say, you must not speak evil of any of your rulers. Paul realized that some of the members of the high council were Sadducees and some were Pharisees. So he shouted, brothers, I'm a Pharisee, as were my ancestors, and I am on trial because my hope is in the resurrection of the dead. Now let me explain what's going on. Paul is proving his brilliance right here. This is what's going on. He's got this whole crowd against him, all right? He's got Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, he probably could tell by their clothing, because Pharisees wore certain clothing. Sadducees wore certain clothing. It was like a little fraternity. They all had the little fraternity outfits on, okay? So he realized pretty quick, okay, there's Pharisees here. There's Sadducees. They all agreed that they don't like me, because I'm preaching about Jesus, who they don't believe in. And so they're all mad at me. So he immediately realized, I can divide the crowd. I can half the crowd really fast. So he says, hey, by the way, I'm a Pharisee, and all I've been teaching about is the resurrection of somebody. The reason why he said this is because Sadducees don't believe in a resurrection. Pharisees do. So immediately all the Pharisees jump up and they go, we like this guy. And all the Sadducees jump, jump up and say, we don't like this guy. So he just divides the crowd. He realized pretty quick, I got Republicans over here, Democrats over here. I love gun control. The whole place divides. Right? He's brilliant, right? He just throws out one, you know, one little issue and divides the whole room, right? He's like, okay, we've got Republicans and Democrats. Let's talk about immigration. Boom, the whole crowd divides. He was brilliant, right? He just divides the whole crowd. And so everyone was against him. And now all of a sudden he splits the crowd right down the middle. Paul had the ability to read the room. It's very smart. Can you read a room? See, we need to think strategically about the room we walk into. Let me give you an example. Maybe, maybe this week you're starting a new job. Let me just warn you if you start a new job this week. When you walk in the office for the first time with your little box of stuff and you're starting to set up you know, your, your desk, someone's going to run up to you and go, hi, I'm so-and-so. Let's be friends. Let's hang out. Want to go to lunch? You should back away immediately. <laughs> because the only reason they're rushing to you so fast is because they've already been rejected by everyone else in the office. <laughs> everyone knows they're the village idiot but you because you're new. Do not connect with them yet. Say, you know what? I'm a little busy today. Maybe later on we could do that because you don't know how the office works yet. Do not connect with someone that you don't know yet, right? You need to learn who kind of really runs things, how's it really work around here, right? Because there's titles and then there's who's really in charge, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? And so you kind of learn that over time, but you don't know that initially. So the first person that runs up to you is not who you probably want to connect with yet, so just kind of learn things a little bit first. And so you need to have the ability to read the room, to understand who you are dealing with. Now look what happens next, verse 7. It says, this divided the council, the Pharisees, against the Sadducees. See, Paul thought, everyone's mad at me. I'll get them mad at each other. This is easy. Let me just throw out one issue that they're just going to divide them, and then they'll start fighting among themselves. That's exactly what happened. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection or angels or spirits, but the Pharisees believe in all of these. So there was a great uproar. Some of the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees jumped up and began to argue forcefully. We see nothing wrong with him, they shouted. It's funny, just a moment ago they did. Now all of a sudden they think he's the greatest thing ever. Isn't that funny how that works? Isn't it funny how politics makes strange bedfellows? People that didn't connect suddenly do connect. You know, over some issue, like a one-issue thing, right? It says, we see nothing wrong with him, they shouted. Perhaps a spirit or an angel spoke to him. As the conflict grew more violent, the commander was afraid they would tear Paul apart. So, they, so he ordered his soldiers to go and rescue him by force and take him back to the fortress. Paul was so smart, he now has the entire government and the power of the government protecting him. Talk about shifting power into your hands. This is incredible. 
Now everyone there is doing, hey, Paul, can we get anything for you? Just a moment ago, they were beating him, and now they're trying to get the guy coffee. It's amazing how fast things change once you learn how to read a room. What does this mean? Number two, create strategic alliances. Create strategic alliances. Paul understood very quickly, all right, I'm going to get killed here if I don't create an alliance very quickly. So I'm just going to mention that I happen to believe in a resurrection. He didn't talk about who he believed yet. He just said, I believe in a resurrection. All the Pharisees said, that guy's smart. You know, everyone, listen, when someone says you're smart, what they're actually saying is, you think like me. You realize that? When they think you're an idiot, what they say, what they're actually saying is, they have no idea whether or not you're really smart or not. What they're saying is, you don't think like me. That's how that works. When you hear someone go, that's a great person, what they're saying is, they're like me. They're a terrible person. What they're saying is, they're not like me. That's all that really means. So don't don't get too puffed up if someone thinks you're really great. That just means they happen to agree with you on some things, right? And so that's what that actually means. And so they're like, oh, Paul, he's the man. We love that guy, which means that he agrees with us that you guys are a bunch of idiots, right? And these guys over here going, we think he's horrible. Why? Because he agrees with you. We don't like you. And so it just divides the crowd. Paul creates a strategic alliance for protection. Very, very smart. In the same way, I believe that we need to think like Paul and create some strategic alliances. Has God called you or led you to do something? Or do you have a problem you're facing right now that you need to overcome? Is there a strategic alliance you can create that will help you overcome your situation? For example, some of you are really broke and you're struggling financially and you're drowning in debt. You need to go to a rich friend or family member and no, don't ask them for money because borrowing money got you in trouble to begin with. So how is it gonna be better borrowing it personally rather than corporately? It still got you in trouble. That's not the answer. Say, can I connect with you? Can I take you to lunch or dinner? Buy their dinner. I know that makes no sense since they have money you don't, but buy their dinner anyways, because it's about honor. And then once you take them to dinner or lunch, say, I just need to talk with you. I am not doing well financially. You seem to be doing well. What do you know that I don't know? And then humbly listen to when they say things that are really, it's probably gonna hurt. I'm not gonna lie because they're going to be pointing out some things that they do differently than you, especially if they're family, then they're really going to know what's up. And they're going to tell you the truth. But listen to them. Create a strategic alliance that says, I'm not looking for your money. I'm looking for your wisdom. Would you teach me how you handle money? Nothing will get you out of a debt or money problem faster than talking to rich people and asking them how they handle money. You'll learn from them that you can have what they have. Did you know that? Not by taking theirs, not by borrowing from theirs. Don't be a beggar. Learn their wisdom. Because here's what I've also learned. If you give money to someone who's poor, they'll be poor within weeks again. You know why? They didn't have the wisdom to handle what they had last time. So ask for wisdom. Does that make sense? Strategic alliances. If someone knows something more about something than you, and it's something that you care about, ask them. You say, our marriage is really hurting. Then get around healthy couples. And say, tell me about what you do in your marriage that I'm not doing. And learn from them. And if you'll do that, you'll have a healthy marriage too. Learn from others. If someone really walking with the Lord, ask them what they do to be so close to God. And you'll get close to God too. We can learn things. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun. Someone who's succeeding in some area, they learn from someone else too. So why aren't you creating a strategic alliance to ask them those questions yourself. And so if someone has a successful business that they started and you're trying to start a successful business too, ask them how they did it. Learn from them. If you will create strategic alliances, you will go way further in your life. If you are stuck in a situation, maybe you're addicted to a substance and you can't seem to kick it, you need to be talking to an addiction counselor. And guess what? Surprise, surprise, all addiction counselors used to be addicted. 
and they did certain things that they were taught by counselors to become unaddicted. So you should probably listen to them. They know what they're talking about. When someone is in bondage in some particular area of your life, maybe someone's going through a massive divorce or a big legal battle, talk to someone who's already been there and learn from them. In other words, create a strategic alliance, connect with others because you show me your friends and I will show you your future. Who you hang out with determines who you become. This is why I'm always trying to weasel my way into pastor's worlds that are doing far more than I'm doing to say, how'd you do that? Teach me, oh wise one. And I try to get all their information and take all that I can learn from them so I can apply it to. Listen, life is too short for you to make all the mistakes yourself. I know you're trying, but don't make all the mistakes yourself. You don't have to dominate that category, okay? Why don't you learn from someone else's mistakes to save yourself some time and some pain? Does that make sense? Strategic alliances connect with the right people to help you get where you need to go. So I want to encourage you to connect. In fact, right now, on your notes, would you just somewhere on the side, write down a few people you should be calling. Maybe so I can't get to the person I need to connect with because they're so famous and they're really smart. That means they've probably written books about what you want to do. Read their books. By the way, this, really helped. this will really help you. This helped me early on in our ministry big time. still helps me this day. Remember this. Books are people. So if you can't get to them, read their book or their website or their blog or their tweets. But listen to the right people to get the right answers. Strategic alliances make a huge difference. You coming to this church is a strategic alliance. I really believe that. And I'm a little biased, I admit. But I will tell you that Church Unlimited is a performance-enhancing drug. You will be better at what you do just by coming here on a regular basis. It's true. In case you haven't noticed, we're not preaching normal sermons here. Because normal sermons just kind of encourage you and lift you up a little bit. I'm trying to help you understand that you are made for more. You're supposed to be the head and not the tail. God is building leaders here. And so we're trying to build you up. And when you go back to work, your boss should be saying, this isn't fair because you go to that church down there that's telling you how great you are and all that you can do in God. And so they're going to do way better than everyone else here. That's right. It's not fair. You had the advantage because you come to Church Unlimited. Stay with the advantage. God's trying to build you up. He really is. Create Create strategic alliances. And it all comes down to this. It all comes down to this. Acts chapter 23, verse 11. So now Paul is thrown back in jail again. He is stuck. It's out of his control. What do you do when you're completely stuck and things are out of your control? Here's what happens that's wonderful about your bad situation. There actually is a silver lining. Isn't that nice to know? Like here is the advantage of your disadvantage. Here it is. That night, the Lord appeared to Paul. Would you underline the word appeared? It doesn't say the Lord spoke to Paul. Oh, no, the Lord appeared. God appeared. He showed up. Wow, how cool would that be? Like, there he is. Wouldn't it be cool if someone says, I would just wish I knew what God looked like. Paul could say, I know. I saw him. He appeared to me. Can you imagine that? The Lord appeared to you? Wow. It says the Lord appeared to Paul. It doesn't say he just talked to Paul. He appeared. He showed up. You see, here's the truth. You see God clearer when you're going through a mess. Isn't that true? Let's be honest, when, things, when you're riding high, you're not listening to God. When you're riding low, when things are falling apart, all of a sudden your prayer becomes real. It says, oh God, thanks for the day, right? Our normal prayers over a meal, right? Oh Jesus, thank you for the day, amen. All of a sudden you're going through a difficulty, Jesus, I need you, right? Changes everything, doesn't it? When things are going bad, when you're being tested. This is why I know that there'll always be prayer in school because there's still tests. If there's still tests, there'll be prayer. God, please help me right? And so when you're going through a mess, is when you 
pray like never before. You connect to God. That night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. Notice it's an extension. It's not an and or. Right? God says, I'm not just going to say that Jerusalem or Rome. No, he says Jerusalem and Rome. What's God doing? He's saying, we don't just take something from you to give you something new. God says, we build on your life. Are you good to know? We're building. The Bible says you go from glory to glory to glory to glory. We're building on your life. And so God's saying, Paul, you're a big deal in Jerusalem. You kicked some serious booty for me there, man. You were taking the gospel everywhere. But guess what? We're just going to build on that. You're going to Rome now. And so he gives them this incredible clear vision. He says, you're going to go to Rome. You're going to preach the good news there. What does this mean? Number three, desperation creates your clearest vision. I'll tell you something. Inspiration is not what you need to really hear from God. I'm just being honest with you. Desperation causes you to hear from God. Inspiration doesn't do it. We all want to be inspired. I love being inspired too. But the truth is, is that when I really hear the clearest from God is when everything's falling apart. It's not because I'm like, I'm so inspired I want to hear from you, God. It's more, it's more like, my life is going horrible. God, please talk to me. And that's what God speaks to me. How about you? It's in desperation that we hear God the clearest. A number of years ago, my family, we had the privilege of going to see some unbelievable history. And i got to be honest, I say privilege, and I want to be careful about saying that because it, it was a horrible place to be, yet it was very profound, and I could not turn away. We went to Dachau, which is a concentration camp that the Nazis had built during World War II, and hundreds of thousands of lives you know, were taken at all these concentration camps. We happened to be a few hours from it, and I said, I'd really like to go see it. And I knew that I was probably walking in something that would, that would change me forever. And I knew it was going to be horrible. I certainly wasn't celebrating it. But I did want to see this incredible history of where human atrocities were committed. You know, it's, just, it's amazing when you think about what, what we're capable of when it comes to evil. It's incredible as humans what we really are capable of. So I went to see this. And as I was walking around Dachau, I went into this one building in the back of the complex and it was actually it looked like showers but it was not showers there was a drain the drain was not for water it was for the gas to exit the room after killing everyone in the room it was just it was eerie to be there as i walked through that whole place i had my boys with me we were walking around it was just it was it was it was incredible it was a, a memory i'll never forget but as I walked along the edge of Dachau, I just saw this huge fence, these big guard gates and razor wire all along the top. And they had not changed that so, that so you could see what it was really like. And as I was walking around there, I just thought, what would it have been like to have been so close to freedom but unable to escape? I can't imagine. I really can't. I found this quote online from one of the Americans, thank God, that liberated these people. This is a quote from a guy named Roy Gates. He was serving in the army at the time. He says, I was there when we opened the gates. Some of these poor wretches, wretches running out were so emaciated, they actually died from the excitement of being liberated. So close. I saw it happen several times. These people in the camps, they were like walking skeletons. You could see all their bones. The gates opened and the people ran out yelling, I'm free, I'm free. 
And some of them died right there. I was horrified to see what the SS had done to these people. So close to free. You know, I, I hesitate to compare because it, there's nothing we've been through that even comes close to that. But could it be that the devil has you bound and you're so close to freedom? All I could think about when I walked around that place as I was leaving was, I can't wait to get out of here and go live my dreams. Because I can. To go make an impact. To take Jesus everywhere. Because I can. The truth is, is that if you're bound, today is your day of freedom. This is not a normal service. It wasn't from the beginning. It's not here at the end either. I'm going to ask everyone to stand across all of our campuses right now. As you stand to your feet, maybe today God is saying, it had to get this bad to get you to hear from me. God may be saying to you, it had to get this dark, this difficult to make you call out to God. Maybe in this moment, you're seeing God clearer than you've seen him in a long time. Maybe he's saying to you today, quit acting bound when you're really free. Christ frees us. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, as we just take a moment to pray, I want to encourage you as we just worship the Lord to call out to God. How are you tied up? How are you bound? Maybe you're bound in addiction. Maybe you're bound by the pain of a problem that you cannot control. Whatever's holding you back, would you just trust it in God's hands now? Say, God, I'm so close to freedom. I'm so close. I don't want to be bound any longer, God. Free me, Lord. Help me to walk away from this lifestyle. Help me to walk away from this addiction. Help me to walk away from this struggle. God, help me, Lord, to become unbound from this. Maybe in your marriage you're struggling. Maybe you just want to reach over and hold the hand of your spouse and say, we are going to get through this. And just pray for your spouse. Pray for your marriage and say, God, we're going to get through this season. We're not stuck. We can overcome this difficulty. Whatever it is, God's speaking to you today. He's saying, I have something better for you. You see God the clearest in your desperation. And we'll conclude the rest of this message next week. Next week, But I just want to ask you during this prayer time, maybe God lets you go through this and you'd see clearly what your future is. It's in those dark moments that clarity happens. Just like the Apostle Paul stuck in prison, God says, I wanted to get you stuck because this isn't prison. This is a holding cell before we process you to the next step. So right now, you may be in a holding cell. God's saying, you can't get out of here until you know where you're going. Listen to God right now. God, what do you tell me? How are you processing it? What's next for me, God? And God will show you what the next step is. And when he does, obey him. Because in your obedience is your freedom. In your obedience is your freedom. Your head bowed, your eyes closed. If you never trusted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer to receive Jesus. We're going to pray this prayer out loud together across all of our churches. You can pray this prayer right now. You can just say this with me. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sins. And you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If you just pray that prayer, then Christ has come in your heart. But those of you who are here today, maybe you've already prayed that prayer and you know the Lord, but you've been stuck. You've been trapped long enough. Maybe your prayer today is just to say, God, I'm just, I need your freedom. I want to live differently. Lord, thank you, God, I'm not stuck. I have everything I need to overcome this. Lord, thank you that you give me your power. Lord, now give me your vision the next step in my life. 
I will obey you. I believe God is speaking to people right now. If he's speaking to you, if he's leading you, would you just lift your hand in the air and just say, God, thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for leading me today. Thank you, God, for obeying. Thank you. I'm going to obey you, Lord. Thank you. Your hands are going up all across all of our auditoriums right now. Praise God. God is speaking. I'm telling you this could be someone to remember. You're not going to forget what's going on. God's doing something new right now. Praise God. Thank you. Put your hands down. Lord, we love you, God. Thank you, Lord, that we are no longer a slave, but we are free in Christ. Thank you for what you're doing in your church today. In your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Isn't God good?